Hello, I'm Norm Rasmussen. We're going to be sharing a testimony of an individual by the name of Ralph Christian. He knows God. He walks with God. And uh, so if the Lord leads you to uh, listen to this, well, bless God. So with that, let's listen to Ralph now.
to love. And I, all I knew was, and again, I never read a Bible or anything, but all I knew was he's alive. Jesus is alive. And I started to go around. Immediately first I went and I bought a Bible. I was led to just go get a Bible. You know, I got a Bible, but I couldn't stop telling people that Jesus is alive. I don't care who you were, who was in a supermarket, whatever. I was, uh, he looked at, you know, like a religious fanatic or something, but yet I couldn't help but share Jesus and what he's done. And I, to share, hey, this, this is, you know, this is great news because what he's done for me, he could do it for you too. It's just, you're, it's available to all, for all of us. And I tried to share that message and I did. And when I started reading the Bible, things started to, uh, re, uh the Lord started to reveal everything that he wanted me to know at the time and so forth. And it was incredible, incredible experience. The first year to two years, uh, continuously different miracles. Uh, I had a grandmother raised me. I was the black sheep of the family. She was the only one that would take me in or take care of me. Uh, she was the only one that found board in my life. I used to go to her all the time and complain about this one or that one in the family or whatever, you know, uh, hateful things. I used to say, you know, they did this to me, they did that to me, and rightfully so, you know, uh, they didn't treat me too well. And she always would listen, comfort me, and then at the end say, but honey, you got to forgive. When I came to Jesus Christ and the love of Christ and forgiveness, I realized through my grandmother, the only person contact I had, he used her my whole life. They, they, she had his ways as far as forgiveness and loving, and, and, and she was pure in that type of way. She was an old lady. And in the first two years, the Lord actually a couple of times spoke to me. And when I say spoke to me, I'll tell you exactly how it is. It's not like I'm speaking to you right now to speak to me, but clearer than that, and it's, uh, you could say voice or whatever, it's, it's if, if we were together and he spoke to me like when he did speak to me, you wouldn't have heard nothing, but I hear it very clearly, and it's right into my heart, into my mind, and these words, words, and he told me after a year after I was converted like that, I was driving in a car, I broke down, and in the same way of communicating me in that way. And when it happens, it was completely, you're engulfed with love. And he told me that, and he showed me where on my grandmother's body, by her left breast area, that she had to see the death there, and that you don't need her anymore. Exactly. You don't need her anymore because you have me now. You know, and he always, like I said, he was the one that, uh, through my grandmother, loved me through her. But you don't need her anymore. You have me. And he showed me that. However, in praying and asking, or not trying to change wills or anything, I prayed very drastically if I can go see her. And when I was on trial, you can't leave the state or anything. Miraculously, I got off my, uh, my trial that I'm going to skip over a few things. But I was able to go back and see her. I went back and see her before she looked like, uh, no, she looked like death. And I, I went, and I was so happy that I had a chance to go back and see her. And my trial and everything lasted quite a while, but there was a key witness that my lawyer could never guess. And finally, there was a time.
throughout the whole United States. So her face was on TV a lot and everything. Somehow they were, they, there was a mistrial and she was in between that. When I approached her, someone told me, I asked her, who's the best lawyer? I, I got her name. I went to see her. And I told her I was talking all about Jesus like I, I've been doing. And she's a little Jewish girl. And she kept looking at me. And uh, she finally just said, listen, if I take this case, she said, you will do what I tell you to do. And I will win this case for you if it's going to be won. It's me. You know, uh, you keep talking about Jesus, this, Jesus, Jesus, that. But it's me, not Jesus. And I looked at her and I said, well, I, I, I just don't believe that. I believe that Jesus would help you and, and he would do that. But uh, that was her attitude. She was against Jesus. I didn't make a decision on her. I, I, I took lunch. And when I took lunch, I went out and I kept talking to the Lord about it because at that time, when you're on trial for your life, you learn to every single breath or whatever of a decision that you have to make. You, you pray to the Lord and you got to hear from him. I could not make any decisions by myself because I didn't want to take, take that chance. I wanted to only hear from him and do exactly what he said. So I prayed and I talked to him and I didn't get words like the intimacy I got when he told me about my grandma's illness or a, a, another time or two of my life when, when I had intimacy with him when I heard him speak to me in that way like a, a spiritual way without the wavelengths of a voice but clearer than that and um, I, I, I felt led and, and I was reading my word that the Lord wanted me for some reason uh, to take her hire her if she would do it and I couldn't believe it I'm saying I was trying to say to her but she's a Jewish girl didn't you hear what she just said to me no Jesus talked no nothing she's saying I said are you sure and I, I looked in the word I got some I got some scriptures that I really felt led he wanted me to do that so I went back in the afternoon I told her and she said she'd hire me and she reminded me about the stuff and she says I'll show you how to respond on the stand whatever so she was my lawyer. A lot of stuff happened in between. We had this one major person that was would have been a help to me that she could never get. Worked in the hospital as a doctor, and she could never get him. Well, one day, the prosecutor and everybody else, I used to go to court, told them my little testament, and, and, and the Psalms helped me so, so greatly to have the courage even to stand there. But I would be in there, and this prosecutor and the people, and they would be saying things about me that aren't true. And I can't say a word, and I can't do nothing, and I just, I, I can't defend myself about it, against it. And people are looking at me like I committed these crimes that I didn't commit, and it was a terrible, terrible feeling. And he was very, very uh, nasty, and uh, uh, he, he was just really cruel to me, the prosecutor in any way you can. Well, we're going to a, a, a hearing, preliminary hearing, and my lawyer calls me up and she says, I got some good news. I says, wow, what's good news? What do you got? The prosecutor, his mother-in-law died, and he can't make this uh, 
charges knocked down because this new person, whoever it is, doesn't know about the case, and I can, I can finagle this, I can work this, that it's going to be to your benefit in a big way. You're still going to go to trial, of course. You're still going to, you, you might go to jail, I mean, she said, but I'm going to get it to where it's not as bad as it was, three life sentences, you know. Uh, she says, so this is a great opportunity for us. So, uh, but I, she, and when you're on trial for your life, they make you make all the decisions. She says, but I'm just formally letting you know that we're going to court today, and that's what we'll do, but I have to let you know because you have to make, give me that final word, okay? Is that all right with you? I said, do you mind? Her name was Leslie. I said, do you mind? I said, this is such a major decision. I got to go pray. And she, like, really, it, I felt it over the phone, like, what is this stuff, you know? You got to go pray. And she said, well, do what you got to do and get back to me as soon as possible. I got to know because this, we're going to court three hours. I said, I'll be back to you as soon as possible. I went in my room and I put on the dresser and I opened my Bible. I said, Lord, you got to speak to me. You got to speak to me now through your word very clearly. This is something that we got to break here. And I have to give them the okay because he wants to can't, he wants to postpone this meeting, this, uh, this hearing to when he can come, the prosecutor. He's my enemy. And you know what my lawyer said, this new person that will fill in, we could we could make some progress that would be helpful to me. Lord, it's a no-brainer to me, but I just want to check with you, please. What should I do? Uh, shouldn't I just call her back and, and be happy about this? This is from you. Isn't this from you, Lord? That this, this little bit of a break? And I turn the pages, not looking what, I'm just turning the pages, oh, I stop. And I look down, and there I am, and Matthew. And it's it, it, where the scriptures say, uh, love your enemy. You know, love your enemy and everything. And I started to read that, and I just said, wait a second, this is not for me right now. And I, I'm still praying to the Lord. I turned a few more pages, and there I am in, 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 in Mark. And, and I uh, stopped the same thing, just Mark saying it. About loving your enemies. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it, no, it hit me like, oh no, Lord, you, you can't be saying this, can you? can you? And I said, Lord, and I, I just flipped a bunch of pages over. I said, Lord, please, please, are you, this is what you're showing me? And there I was in the loop. And it was the same thing to love your enemies. And I said, Lord, and I stopped crying.
quit on me. And she says, that's it. I will not have this. She says, find yourself another lawyer. And she hung up the phone. And there I am saying, Lord, what do I do now? Do I go to court? Am I supposed to show up by myself today? I mean, I don't even know what to do here, Lord. And an hour passed, the phone rings, and it's her. And she says, Ralph, she says, I'll be, make sure, make sure you're on time. I'll be there. I said, you just saw me, you quit. She goes, no. She says, I had no work to do. I have this last hour since I said I quit. And there was nothing for me to do, so I just took a chance. And, and before I closed this case on you and everything, I tried one more time that person that we've been trying to reach that might be helpful to us. She said, I called the hospital, and it, she said it was something how uh, it, it was an emergency department or whatever department it was that they picked. He picked up the phone. She said he actually picked up the phone. And when I explained to him what it was, he, he said to me, I knew I was going to be called on this. I've been trying to avoid it, but I knew this was going to happen. And I was, I was going to have to make a decision about this someday. And she, he's coming to court, and he's going to testify on your behalf to prove that you're innocent. Oh, my gosh. I said, what? Hmm. And, and it's all because I listened to the Lord. Yeah. You know, and did it that way. He wanted it done. He, see, he, knew, he knew best. And so she saw something there, too. So we went to court, and finally... Uh, it was, it, well, I didn't go to court that day that she arranged something to go in the near future because she, she wanted to make sure she could do with this witness, she could get him to get come in on his convenience and so forth. So I think it was about 10 days later, that within two weeks, we went, and we went before the judge, and this came through, and, and she did so wonderfully, she put the police on the stand who were lying against me, she put a couple of key witnesses. 
okay. Is what he said. What he's worried about. Doesn't don't worry. He was a drug addict. If he wants to do it, let him do it. He says it'll probably not come back as a match, but if it does and it's healthy blood, sure. So they 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 did this, and they really didn't want me to be a match. And they went through the whole gambit, and they said, if nobody, if we have no matches here, then they they considered that they would take me. And I stood up. My mother ran out of the place embarrassed. I stood up and I said, listen, I didn't yell or anything, but I was very firm. And when it came out of my mouth, I was very shocked because I wasn't thinking about it. I said, listen, you have no choice but to take my blood because none of you here have her blood type. And my mother's face turned red. She ran out. You know, I, I heard later she told me, I was, I was saying to myself, what did my son say? And when I said it, I said, oh, no. Why would I say something like that? I, you know, I, I, I don't want to lie. Or, why did I say it? They don't have a blood type, and I'm the only one that does. Is there any way you can back me up here? Would I, it's, I'm, I'm going to look real bad here. Why did I say that? So as they went, 15, 18, in threes, 21, 24, they keep coming out, and things are getting real tense and real quiet. For the witness of Christ, things are getting real tense and real quiet. 24, <laughs> then 27, then it went up to about 30, and then it was the last three, and it was me with her son, two sons, both sons. They wanted to be in there with me. And we went in together, the three, and we're sitting down, and they're taking blood with them, and they're taking blood, uh, about to take blood with me. And nobody had a blood type, and so they're just like, they're, they're just flipped out as far as, Hey, he, he just said it a half an hour ago. Nobody's going to have a blood type but me, and that you have no choice and everything. And so they were very, very on edge. They were in there. They started to get their blood drawn. And all of a sudden, um, the, the fellow's ready to draw my blood for my arm, and he's ready to put the needle in, Norm. And I heard him say, Jesus. And I said, Stop. I said, Did you just say Jesus? He goes, What? He says, heard me say Jesus. I said, I heard you say Jesus. He says, you know, every time I draw blood from someone, I say to myself, I don't say it out loud, so yeah, I, I, you couldn't hurt this. He said, I say, don't let it hurt them, Jesus. But I say it to myself, so how did you hear the name Jesus? I said, it doesn't matter. You're a believer. And the Bible says we're two or more grief prayer. It's done in heaven for them. They agree to believers. I says, will you pray with me as you take the blood out of me? Will you pray that this blood will be strong and good and, and it will match my grandmother? And he said, sure. And he prayed over with me. And we prayed and as a little witness. It was nice and, uh, to meet a believer. We went out and now everybody's waiting and they're just waiting for the results for my two uncles and me. And the nurse came out because they were anxious to it. She says, we got a match. We got a match. And everybody stopped and looked up. She says, we got a match. Ralph matches her blood. Oh, <laughs> wow. And they looked angry. I'm going to tell you, they looked real angry. But yet, I was a match. And I just said, thank you, Lord. It turns out, I... Before I went back, I get to California. She's in New Jersey. 
another pint of my blood so she could have two. And I went back, and she was to be operated on when I was back in California. My mother was a very close caretaker of my grandmother. And in the hospitals, I told my mother, I had this, this, this basic son dying. The Lord just made me feel that she was going to make it somehow, that he was going to heal it, he was going to take care of it. I got to the point, not to be cocky, but I was confident in my faith. The Lord's going to heal her. She's going to make it through. She's not going to die. And I felt confident about that from the Lord. And yet my mother, who was a caretaker in the hospital, she spent most of her time with my grandmother. And the day before, uh, they gave her a pint of blood to start to build her up because they wanted to give her two pints before she went in. One day, the next day of surgery, and have a couple of pints in, in surgery for her because it was a, a difficult surgery. And when the first, the day before surgery, when they brought the, the uh, pint of blood in, my mother, for some reason, somehow, I don't know why, but at the blood bag, you see, she walked out embarrassed there, but she did something. She wrote down that she went in the back there and she said, which is like, what did my son donate? Where, where is it? And that was right there. She took the, there was a number on the bag. She took the number down. Why? She still doesn't know this day. But she was there. And when they came the first time, the day before surgery, give my grandmother some blood. Her blood level was at 7. 11 or 12 would be healthy to go into surgery. But they knew they couldn't get her up that high. But each pint of blood should take you up one point. Like when it was 7, it should go up to 8. The eight should go up to nine. So they expected to at least be up to nine by giving her one pint today and one pint for surgery. When they came to give blood, my mother noticed the number was different. It wasn't the number from my blood. And she said something and she spoke up. And she said, uh, this is not right and blah, blah, blah. And they gave her the blood and it wasn't my blood. And my mother made a big stink about it. My son, he... From California, he came, and he gave blood for his grandmother, and we want to use that blood. The doctor said, that's the blood we're going to use, along with some other, but we're going to use that first. So the next day was the surgery, and by the way, her blood did go from seven to eight with that one pint. But the next day was surgery, and they gave her the pint of blood. My mother made them. They came in. They had the wrong number again. My mother stopped them. She made them go back. They found number that matched that she took that was my blood and then they gave her that last transfusion before surgery when they gave her that transfusion her blood didn't go like well like seven eight didn't go up one point she was at eight then it went from eight to twelve and it's not supposed to do that that would that's normal that's like a normal count and my grandmother went into surgery she went through successfully but the doctor came out he said i don't know he said everything's fine but one thing amazed me you know, we expected to use at least three more pints of blood. She didn't need one, one, one drop of blood. She didn't need any blood no more. So when she got the pint of blood that we prayed over, the uh, me and the believer, that we, and we prayed for it to be strong and help my grandmother, that was the last blood she took, and she went up four points, not one, and she didn't need any more blood. Oh, man. Yeah, and, and the doctors were amazed about it. So then she, she's recovering. She had to be in the hospital 10 days. And what happened was that there was, my mother calls me up and she says, Ralph, 
wasn't facing reality, she thought. She thought. And anyway, my grandmother wind up coming out of the hospital, everything's fine. And she comes home. Three months after she's home, my doctor uh, family, uh, uh, Gregory, his name is in the family, he's a heart specialist. Uh, he's the one they called up about my blood. He's coming to California where I am with his family for a vacation at Disneyland and so forth. And he's coming out there. Cirrhosis. 
don't even treat. It's fatal. And they don't treat it, and in time, it just hardens the liver and makes it harder and harder, and, and nothing can pass through, and you finally die from it. So 10 years, a biopsy showed that, and I came to the blood. I said, blood, you know, why do I, st- this is from my past. What is it, what is going on? Why do I have this? Now it develops into this neurosis. I don't understand this. Unless it's going to be part of my testimony, and in the end, you're going to do something there too, but I don't understand it, Lord, and someday you're going to have to show me. So I have cirrhosis too now, and that's it. The hepatitis D and cirrhosis is a killer because you can't even treat it. They monitor you every three, six months. I've been going for blood work. I go for sonograms. I go for whatever. And my liver periodically over the years now it's getting worse and worse and worse. And I have this, you know, it's, it's getting bad. So in January of this year, 2017, my regular blood work and my regular sonograms and so forth shows that it's gotten really, really bad. And something new developed even in my cirrhosis, which is at the end stage of cirrhosis. It's blocking now because of the hardness and everything. My circulation from my heart that goes through my liver, the blood organ, it goes to my kidneys. Somewhere in there, it's blocking it where when it comes down from the heart, it's just hitting there, the liver turning around, going back to the heart. On the bottom side, from the kidneys going to the liver, and then back down to the kidneys. You need to do some kind of surgery to put a valve like a tunnel kind of through it to the main arteries so the blood can flow from your heart through the liver now that it's not doing that, your kidneys throughout your body and back up. And that's a big surgery. And I've been on, for two years, I've been on the liver transplant. Uh, I've been at the center. And I, I go there for tests periodically. And I'm waiting. When I get bad enough, they're going to give me a transplant. So in January, I'm pretty bad now. Um, they have something called a MEL score. It's medical evidence of liver disease. And they go by that. A MEL score, like when you take your blood, it ranges, like anything, uh, your sugar can range uh, from between 2 and 6, hypothetically. If you're anywhere in range between 2 and 6, you're healthy. If it's lower than 2, it's low. If it's high than 6, it's too high. That's just an example of how they do things. Well, my MEL score is the beginning, the best you can be if you have a healthy liver is six. And then it goes up from there. And when you get to about 10, you're eligible for a transplant. Well, now in January, with this other thing with the cirrhosis that's happening, I went up to an 11. My Mel score is an 11. And all of a sudden, I start feeling really bad now. And then my back and my hip thing came out a month later. And I ain't doing good at all. Uh, my circulation, the pain in my back, and my hip, that's just an extra thing. It's not related to the liver and cirrhosis. And I'm, I'm really faded. And I said, Lord, I never got to, uh, I've been sick and I never got to finish or do my testimony. I tried to write some things down. I said, I can't leave this world without uh, just having, this is a testimony for you, not for me. And, and this, is, this is something that I have to be done. With the medication, the pain medication, the other medications, I sit down to write or do something. I can't even think properly. I'm not, I said, Lord, you've got to help me, please. And I started getting worse. And by January, the report, 
transplants that are three hours away, they work together. I take tests up here. They send them to the transplant center. I go there every six months. I go to the doctor here every three months for tests. So they got the reports down there, the transplant center, that my melts were now went all the way up to 11. The cirrhosis, I got some influence, some big word that shows the blockage. And I'm not doing good. So instead of a surgery, I need a liver now or else that's it. And I'm getting really bad, and I'm feeling it, plus the pain, and I'm miserable because I'm going to go out like this. I, I said, Lord, this, I, I feel like I'm going out to feed. I, 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 you know, I want, I want to feel I'm going out victorious, and the only way I can feel I'm going out victorious is if I'm able to, to share your testimony and give you the glory for my life and what's happened and what you've done for me. Look at my family. Look at my children. I mean, look at everything. My grandmother's story, my story. I said, and I was sitting in my chair late at night, not sleeping. And I said, Jesus, I'm going to, uh, I have to go to UVA, the transplant center, in two weeks. I have to take my tests again, my blood work, all my stuff again. Uh, January is really bad. I, I feel like it's gotten a lot worse. I feel that way. I said that. Can I ask you something? You know, is it a point in time I read about in the Bible? There are things that the time appoints. You know, there's a season for everything. It says a season to live, a season to die. I have an appointed time to die. I said, Lord, I'm not asking you to change that appointed time. But what I am asking you, I'm asking you to heal me. So that I'll keep that appointment date, heart attack, hit by a bus, whatever, but that I that I can be healthy. I make a vow to you that I can be healthy from now to that appointed time, whenever it is. And I know it's not going to be long because if I if I stay sick like this, it's not going to be long. I say, Lord, I want to go give my testimony, and I want to go to anybody who invites me, churches, whatever. I want to be able to go like other people would do. And they have, you know, I want to be able to glorify your name and what you've done for me. I want to share this testimony that's yours and share your gospel and let people know that it's for them. Give them the encouragement. Show them. Show them the paperwork. Show them what I have, what I've gone through and everything. Show them the proof because people like to see that. And, and show them and, and see who and what I am. Before Christ, and since you converted me, and how my life and what you've done, and show them that this also could be for them, because there's so many hurting people out there that they have no hope. I've always had hope since I've been converted. And since I know you, I have hope. People don't have that hope. And I bow to you. Keep this my appointed time of death. That's fine with me. But heal me so that I can go out and glorify your name. And that's all I want to do. Spend the rest of my time glorifying your name and sharing not my testimony, your testimony, but also a minister I know the gospel well and to preach the gospel and to give people hope and show them their only hope is you. And I said that, and this was like about a week. Uh, I was going to take my blood work and everything like the next day and the following week I was going to 
was on a Thursday, and then the following week, the 25th, was a Thursday. I had to go to UVA to transplant center. I take my testing the week before. I go down there. My doctor sends it down. They look it up they, on the computers, whatever. They send it down, and then I deal with the transplant center, which, you know, uh, I said, well, maybe they'll have a liver or something. The Lord will hear my prayer, but Lord, you don't have, I don't have to get surgery. You can give me, you can give me a brand new liver, can't you? I said, this is all I want to do. I say, I understand. I'll accept. But I want to go out victorious for you. I don't have one little iota of anything about self that's in this that wants to do for me. I want to be able to fulfill the purpose of my life. And I just don't feel it's com my purpose has been fulfilled completely until I can glorify you in this way. And people can know, can know what's available to them. And I went for the blood work, I went for the sonogram and everything. I prayed that prayer. The last week, after I went for the testing, when after I prayed, I didn't feel any kind of, oh, gurgling electric shocks in me or something like that, like the Lord was healing me. I expected to, if he was going to do it, I was going to feel something. But the pain, uh, as far as not the hip pain, but uh, the other stuff that I get uh, with my concern connected to my liver, I didn't feel that bad at all. I went down uh, to UVA, and I went in, I had 11.30 appointment. I have a paper confirming my appointment like I have all the time. When I go there, they said, Mr. Christian, you're not in our system. You have no appointment today at 11.30. I said, what? There's no appointment? That's wrong, and I showed them my paper. They said, gee, I don't understand this. It says here, your paper says that we sent this to you. You have an appointment at 11.30, but it's not here. I says, ma'am, I traveled three hours. I have hip pain and back pain. I'm coming down here. I took my test. I'm, I, I, I'm coming down here. I want to see you. Now, the, the doctor I had, by the way, is the head of the transplant department. I just, just happened to get him when I started down there. I said, I want to see Dr. Northrop. I, you know, I, 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 I can't come down here for nothing. That's such a long ride. And she said, hold on. She went in the back. She comes back and she says, look, Mr. Christian, okay, why don't you go sit down there with the other people there and uh, we'll get to you. Uh, we'll see you. I says, ma'am, understand. I'm in pain with my hip here and everything. And I know if I had no appointment, it happens that I can go sit with those people, but I'm going to be last. After everybody's done, you'll take me in. And I appreciate that. But you know what? I appreciate more if you guys keep my appointment at 1130. I said, so I can make it back home, too, in case I need medication or whatever, and I can get in. And she said, okay, Mr. Christian, let me speak. I went to sit down. Two minutes, nurse comes out, calls me, and I go into the, the room, the examining room. Two doctors come in. The head doctor, Northrop, which is my doctor. My son's there, and they're, and they're smiling. And I said, they said, uh, Mr. Christian. Uh, and they're smiling. They said, uh, Cannot, we're discharging you from the liver transplanting. You cannot be on uh, this list no more for a liver transplant. And I got very disappointed. 
go, well, what? Oh, my, 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 my. Whoa. So...
Oh, oh man. <laughs> the whole panel and everything. Because you're always off this or that, I'm lower high, but I'm, I'm perfect. Oh, my, 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 my. How, how old are you now? I'm, I'll be 67 next week, 20, the 20th. Okay. I, I, docked, I said to the doctor, but the last thing is, I said, well, what should I do now? He said, the only thing I could advise you to do, which I'm going to do, I'm going to really, I'm, I started to work on it. He said, the only thing I advise you to do is when you, when you're heavy like you are, could have a fatty liver. It's not that you have a, a healthy liver, but he says, I don't even know if it's a fatty liver, and I don't know. He says, but you should, if you can, lose some weight, that will help you to, you know, that help you all, your all-around health. He says, but you, your liver, you're, you're cured. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, and um, what did, I, I asked, who did I ask? Well, I don't know if I asked or they said this or something. I said, uh, but they, they cannot say it's a miracle by Jesus. They say I'm too well. But also they, they they can't think of any they told me there's no medical explanation especially for cirrhosis because that's a fatal disease. There's no treatment for that. You can't you can't survive when you got that. It's a slow long death but you can't survive. And I was towards the end of that. Well there's no medical explanation for this. I don't, they say, I don't know. It must be some kind of medication. They, they have no medical answer for me being healthy with my liver now. And after 30 years, I got hepatitis, and it goes back to a transfusion. I had in the hospital when I was 16 years old. So you got to figure 16, 20, 30, 40, 60. It's like 50 years ago is when I got the hepatitis C. That changed into, like I said, I could have got cancer, I could have got uh, other things, uh, and cirrhosis is one of the things. Ten years ago, they found out I had cirrhosis. I probably had it a little longer than that, but that's when I took the biopsy. So I had that for quite a long time. I used to came with my family, hey, we should call up the Guinness Book of Records because I've had this 50 years. <laughs> wow. I've had this so long. But this cirrhosis is the thing. I said, well, I can still get cancer with cirrhosis. The deadly thing. And there's no medical reason for it. No harm. He gave me a brand new liver. Uh, uh, well, it was probably the week before. Now, Mel, I didn't feel anything at all. I didn't feel any gurgling. You know, sometimes people, they feel something twister and stuff. But I didn't feel nothing. I didn't feel a thing at all. All I, I didn't realize, I was feeling a little bit better, but you know, I was dealing with my hip pain and my back pain. Yeah. And so that kind of this central thing of hurting me that I, I do get nauseous and pain in my liver. I didn't even know that that was gone because I was dealing with that. But it was only gone for the week. Well, after the prayer and then and, and going to get the test. No, I, it, I was going to say, I can't believe it. I believe you. I'm saying, no, Wow. Well, I, I want to I want to take you back before that ride in the car. Okay. You know, I mean, like, where where were you with God from a young childhood up until this moment in the car when okay. you had this this incredible encounter with God? I, I mean, had 
people witness to you about Jesus and you rejected him or, or what or what or what? Years later, my life was 
lots of ways uh, as a coward, you know, do things that could kill me, but it's not like just blowing my brains out or taking a bunch of pills. Out. I couldn't actually do that, but I would do things that hopefully would do it by accident or something, but I never had the courage to do it, but I was miserable. I hated my life. I didn't like myself at all and anything about my life. Total waste, and I was laying in bed. Three months before this happened with this scene in the car, I was laying in bed and I said, okay, I don't know, God, if you are God, if I'm even talking to somebody. I said, I went to this Catholic church, you know, I went to Grace Catholic, I don't even know what's going on. But if you actually do exist, well then, I'm in the right place. Show me that you exist, but don't just show me you exist. I don't want this life anymore. I don't want to live like this anymore. I hate it. Not only did you show me you exist, change my life. Get me out of here. You can't take it. Let me die, whatever. You could take me. If you exist, take me. I want it over. I can't go on anymore. I can't go on anymore. So, I'm hoping that you really are. I'm hoping that you are the truth. And I'm hoping that you will hear me. I come to you. And if you are real, that's where I'm going to live. I'm going to follow you. If I don't hear nothing, I'm going to die without any hope. And I hate this life. I, I can't take it no longer. And then who am I even talking to? I'm talking to the air. Well, time went by. It was a couple, no more than a couple of months. I was in my house. A big bang on the door. No answer it. I got thrown up against the wall. I got handcuffed, I got arrested, and I got taken in, and that's when it all started. I got taken in, that was before the weekend. I spent uh, three days and three nights in jail. And even how I got out of jail is, is a miracle, because three nights and three days in jail. And when I went back, when I was going to court afterwards with my trial, they, they said that I shouldn't have been out on bail, because... The crimes and everything don't allow by law for me to be out on bail. And I remember the judge, and I thought I was going back to jail because when I got out, I I was led out of of, of a cell by a uh, guard, walked down the hall, and he told me to go into a room, and he turned and walked away briskly. And I had a bad feeling about it that I didn't want to go into that room, and I started going in different directions, and I found an opening where it was like not it was like a big cell, like a holding cell. And I went in there and I heard people outside. And as I heard the people outside, they were starting to come in. A guard opened the door. I was in there already and I I was like this and all my said, Okay, I'm just gonna fight ferociously till I till it's over. I'm just gonna give it everything I have until they you know, I thought I was gonna get killed so so I said, I'll fight real bad, real hard. And I won't feel much then, and it will just be over. And when they walked in, they just sat down, 
I, I, I ran away from where the God told me to go was in the, uh, the, the holes of that uh, jail I was in. And then I followed that group out. I, I, I went one at a time, went to this counter. There was someone there, and they give the name. They gave you clothes that you came in with. And then you go, and if you had any money in your pockets, you go out the other door. All of a sudden, I was outside the jail. I never got bail. I never got uh, whatever. And that's what came back to me in court, too. They said he's supposed to be in jail, and I thought they were going to put me in jail because I wasn't supposed to be released. I thought, my, you know, I got out, but now I'm going back because it was mandatory by law I should be there. And the judge said at the time, I did not sign this warrant for him. And I see nobody signed a release for him. He should still be there. But I did not sign the warrant. Judge so-and-so did. And he, he used his hands. He says, I wash my hands of this. Bring him back to the other. Go, go back to the other judge that signed the warrant. And I said, what? A little bit that you must have thought, you know, send you back to Herod. Send him back to the other judge. <laughs> and they wash my hands. I said, wow. Yeah. So anyway, I just had to throw that in. Because like I say, there's so many things within these 30 years. But that was something that was very important. And when I got out of there, I went home. It was on the way to this lawyer's that I was going to. He was supposed to be the lawyer. My family helped to get him. My mother really helped, I should say. And that was it. I was in the car, and that's when that conversion happened to me. I, uh, like I say, a couple of months ago, I said what I said to the Lord. I wasn't at an old school. Didn't go to church. I mean, afterwards I did, but I, saying, but I didn't go to church, I didn't do nothing. All I did was go straight on, one-on-one, -on -one, not knowing if he existed or not. Told him if he did, and if he could change me, I'd live to him. And if he exists, you know, and to show me. And he showed me real quick in that car when I was going to the lawyer. And it was funny, right from the word go, when I went to that lawyer, they tried to deal with me for some other crimes and different things to plead guilty so that I get less of a sentence and I just wouldn't do it. I said, why? I didn't do this. I'm, you know, I'm not pleading guilty to anything. And uh, that's when I got led to that little Jewish girl because I wouldn't take him. So a lot of different things happened. But the main thing, growing up Catholic, left, came something like an atheist. But I guess in my heart of mind, when it was all over for me, I couldn't go no more. I called on hoping that there was God. And and that's how it happened. And then from that time on, I went, you know, any place that said they were Christian, I'd try. I would go to gather with people. And some places were okay. Some places weren't. I would leave, you know. But uh, some places had the real Jesus. Some places did. didn't. And I learned a lot. The Holy Ghost showed me a lot of what not to do. Like, show me places and different things about different religions and so forth. They show me things that were not true. It says in the Bible that the Holy Ghost, he'll, he'll lead you into all, he'll guide you. He'll guide you into all truth and show you things to come. Well, I was guided into all truth and I was guided into a lot of it by showing me, see, this is wrong because I hear things and I hear preachings and whatever, but I would go, I, I would go right home to the Bible and check it out to see if what I heard was right. And so often it wasn't. 
desire away. See, take the desire away. I never had, I never had desire again. Hmm. Never had desire again. Hmm. And just like he, he, he put, he put his spirit in, in me, and that spirit desire is nothing but him. And it, it, it's not a thing of working on as much as it's learning the truth <clears throat> and repenting, turning, you know, and, and, and learning. Like, I'm sharing with my kids and everything recently with have Bible study together and so forth. It, you know, it says, uh, be not conformed to this world. Don't be fashioned to this world. But be transformed. See, because I was looking up that word, studying the word transform. Talks about Satan. Ministers are transformed. Transform. Look at what this, this word, transform. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the word new, renewing, I looked up in the Greek, it means to be renovated. Like an old house.
it is incredibly uh, it's the it's one of the biggest blessings the Lord has ever done, and everything He does is a blessing, salvation, whatever. Because I can go to there, and it's home. I go there, and there's, there's where my truth is, and I read, and I follow, and He reveals things to me. He, I change my mind according to His thinking, and you know what? I desire it, and it's enjoyable for me. My favorite place is to be there. I know sometimes I'm too much for my family, even. I'm too much for them because, they, you know, maybe it's, it's too much, too much. But, hey, I could sit down with somebody and say, okay, you know, we'll, we'll put a little food out here or something like that, but let's go. Let's study the Word. It is the most enjoyable blessing and the truth. He has given us the truth. And the more now in these dead days, you know it, Norm, too, because you, you hear people's testimonies and stuff. But the hidden things that the prophets, spoke about, even in the New Testament, the hidden things are being revealed now to us. Things that were hidden before are now being revealed to us. It's that time. It's the time. The end of the end. It's that time. And all these lies are coming out. You're able to see them. And through God's word, it's just fantastic and marvelous. So I grew up in some kind of religion, Catholic religion, whatever it was, but it was that time that I came to a place after being an alcoholic, drug addict, overdoses, all that stuff that goes with it, uh, gambling, work for organized crime. I went through all the stuff. Nothing fulfilled me. Nothing made me happy. And I used to go around and tell everybody. I took the, I took, I was from heroin to whatever drugs I took. You know what happens? After you take them for a short time, they fulfill the purpose that you're looking for, but then you come down and you crash. But you know what I have now? I have the, I'm not going to call it a drug, but I have the love of Jesus Christ. And that heightens, and that's beautiful, and that's glorious, and that gives me joy. And you know what? I never come down from it. It's something that you don't have to come down from. You don't crash from that. You just keep going, and going, and going, and going. So I'm going to not be conformed to this world, like I preach to my kids. Being transformed, allow yourself to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let the Lord renovate your mind with the truth and start to believe in that. And then you, you, you don't, it's so beautiful as you respond to him, how much he keeps, it's more and more that he, that he reveals to you and his love. I, uh, I have something to somebody that has, doesn't have it. I have something to tell them. I have something to tell them. I got something great to tell them. I got something great to tell them. I got good news. I got real good news. And for anybody hurt out there, anybody who wants it, I got the answer for them. And I'll spend my time. I'll do whatever. I'll stick with them. And I'll help them. Show them the answer. And they can have that with the Lord. And it's, it's, it's for all of us. If we don't reject him for all of us, I guess I, I, you know, I always thought I rejected him. I rejected the Catholic Church. That was good. That's in a way. I mean, the, the stuff that they have in there is is not right. It's not the truth. But I never rejected him. I never really knew him. I knew if, uh, I was taught about a false god in that church. But I have the real thing. I'm, I I know the real real Lord. 
Wow, wow, Ralph. Um, you said to tell you most of it. I told you, I told you, I told you a good third of my life. Well, I appreciate that, my brother. Um, well, if you made it this far in the video, um, I am assuming that God wants you to hear what I have to share. Um, you know, God can use a person's testimony in so many different ways to minister to others. And um, I just feel like there's at least one or more people who has listened to this testimony and they're thinking, I wish you would make yourself real to me, God, like you have Ralph. Well, Ralph is so thankful that God has made himself known uh, so powerfully to Ralph. And his desire is that others would know God too in alignment with truth. That's Ralph's desire to share this testimony. Ralph wanted to declare God's glory. He wants everybody to know how good his God is, how wonderful his God is, as is my God, Jesus Christ, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. Um, he doesn't elevate himself. He's not trying to exalt himself, make himself look important or super spiritual, none of that. He doesn't do it for money. He just truly from the heart is so thankful for what God has done in his life. He knows God didn't have to, but God has done it. And he has a sense of believing and knowing that he owes God. He owes God to give God glory every way that the Holy Spirit would give opportunity for him to do that here in this life before he dies and goes to heaven. And I want to minister to whoever you are right now. I want to try to speak from my heart to yours in saying this. Truly, God wants you to know just how real he is. He wants you to have the assurance that there's God and you're okay with God. He wants that from you, my friend, more than you could possibly believe at this moment. As much as it's in my life and as much as it's in Ralph's life or anybody else's life who's contacted God through this relationship with Jesus Christ, not contacted, I say connected, Ralph has realized that there's a lot of people who think they are okay with God and they are not. He understands to the depths of his being that it's impossible to connect with God unless you do it through Jesus Christ, through the help of the Holy Spirit. And that is reinforced by God's Word, His Holy Scriptures, New Testament primarily. Anybody else is playing games with themselves and they're going to find that out if things don't change for them before they die. You can't get to truly know God other than by and through making Jesus Christ your Savior, working your best to let him be Lord of your life. That's where it starts. And so my friend, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. I'm going to pray for you and ask God just for you. Maybe it's your moment. Maybe it won't be right now. Maybe it'll be in the future where God makes himself real to you in alignment with truth. The Bible is truth. Everything God wants you to know about him is, is in the Holy Bible. God 
clearly has given us a road map a set of detailed instructions if you will to get to know him and stay in relationship with him as much as he would like us to be in relationship with him it's got a road map there in God's Word the New Testament Bible not excluding the Old Testament Bible but we have people that only you know will be in the Old Testament and they do not agree with that God has given us a better or a new covenant the Jews are notorious for that many of them until they get saved and born again okay so um, I want to pray for you and perhaps God will use my prayer uh, to to reverse things in your life so that God manifests himself to you Ralph would want that I feel the Holy Spirit wants it so join with me if you would like father we come to you in Jesus name and whoever that might be wanting to know just how real you are and wanting to know that you know that you know that you're okay with him that when you die you're okay with the creator and the judge minister revelation impact this in person this person's life like you have Ralph and you have mine and many others impact this person's life so that they are changed into a new spiritual creation and that the old life and the old pain the old memories the old confusion and doubts and fears they just slip away and new life begins real life God is knowing that you are real and knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are properly connected to you God in a way that's foolproof that's in and through Jesus Christ is the only way that can happen and so father I just thank you in advance that you're going to touch one or more lives through what Ralph has said and perhaps through this prayer and that they will connect with you and they will have a new starting point in life where they realize that uh, real life is walking daily with you God in alignment with truth thank you for hearing my prayer father and I pray it in Jesus name amen well all right my friend if that was you uh, feel free to contact Ralph you can uh, write us here at precious testimonies there's email address given on our website um, Ralph uh, wants to be used of God to share this testimony in area churches around wherever God would give opportunity for him to do that while he still has his health to do that and so feel free to contact him if you feel God's tugging on your heart contact him and see what God might do he's certainly willing to uh, be used of God to come and minister uh, to other people as God puts that together uh, look for his written testimony once that gets written out we'll put it in the description section below on this video and hopefully God willing Somebody will be able to put a camera on Ralph and you'll be able to hear him speak normally on camera instead of pictures up there and hearing probably some pretty weak audio. 
Uh, so look forward to that as well. Well, thank you and God bless you.